friends, not to get on a rant right away, but I now have a former Facebook friend that compared the health and public safety restrictions here in Wyoming to the Holocaust. Now, I'm not going to get into the comparison because it's not worth your time. People like this and their lack of basic understanding of science is why we'll probably have health and safety restrictions a year from now. I'm not a scientist, but I know enough to trust the experts. If every American masked up, social distanced, stayed home, washed their hands, we wouldn't need the government to enforce more restrictions. So if you're one of those people making every possible excuse not to follow public safety restrictions, then you are the problem. I want this to end sooner than later. And I know you do too. Let's all get on the same page. Let's all get on the same team and beat COVID. I desperately want to go to a concert venue and booze it up and shake it up with all of you. I want to scream, go pokes at War Memorial with a packed crowd. I want to go to every restaurant in Laramie and eat a meal, maybe return and eat more meals. I want to travel around the United States, set up my microphone and interview my friends face to face. Let's be the solution. Now today's guest is Reed Cowie and I wish I could have traveled out to Seattle and interviewed him face to face. He's from Wyoming and like I said, he lives near Seattle and I don't want to give any spoilers to the interview because we got into a lot of great uh, conversations and I learned a lot about Reed, uh, but I didn't know he was so into heavy metal music and still is and he plays it and everything and I don't want to give you more away of this interview, so let's get to it. I was born in Casper, Wyoming, and raised in Glenrock, Wyoming. So were your parents like native Casperanians? Is that what they call them? Or Wyomingites? Wyoming Knights? No, they were not. I am the only Wyoming Knight in my family, actually. my They were born and raised in uh, South, uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota. Okay. And uh, they moved, you know, I think both of my parents got jobs uh, teaching in Glenrock. And we moved out there uh, before I was born. And then, yep. And so I was born born out there. And yep, we lived in, we grew up in Glenrock until I was about 13. And that's when I moved to Laramie. So awesome. Well, South Dakota, they, they, their parents are from South Dakota as well. So they were yeah. to get out of South Dakota and go to Wyoming, I guess. Well, my, my, uh, let's see here. My dad, um, his family, uh, owned a farm out there. And, um, so they have some, um, farm property out there. They farm, uh, uh, winter wheat, soy and feed corn generally, uh, they still in the family to the day. So that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah. And so, uh, and then my mom, they just grew up in town there in the town of Aberdeen and my parents just, uh, they got married and, um, met in college and got married and they were both, um, my mom was in special education and my dad was the, I think he was the counselor and they were on the Subud reservation in South Dakota. 
and uh that was during the aim movement and i guess it was you know a lot of there's a lot of craziness that happened there and uh, i think they both kind of uh decided it was getting a little dangerous to raise kids a little uh my brother my older brother and so they chose to move they got jobs in glenrock and uh wyoming and decided to move out to wyoming and so that's kind of yep and then that's how that happened so yeah so my next question is to be siblings. So you, you have an older brother. Uh, what is your guys' age difference? Let's see. My brother, uh, he is about three and a half, a little more than three and a half years older than I am. Yeah. So growing up, were you guys close? Uh, I have an older sibling that's six years older than me. And I lived in her shadow for a long time. So we're kind of close. And I spent a lot of time just not being her. Like she had built her reputation. I was going to be totally different. Yeah. Um, no, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's still <laughs> cool. My brother and I, yeah, still to this day, we're extremely close. I'm very, very, very close. I, I oh, oh, talk to him just about at least three or four times a week. So um, even though he lives in a different state, he lives in Texas and I live in Washington state. So, um, but yeah, we were always close, although we were totally complete opposite type people. So um, we also, yeah, we love to, we love to love each other and have fun and do all this cool stuff. But then we also love to fight and get mad at each other and just were really dramatic and had a explosive kind of friendship and, you know, yeah. And it's, uh, makes it exciting that way. You know, you can really wear your feelings on your sleeve with your family and, you know, don't have to worry about your really true feelings, you know? So if something's really going on in your life, you can just really lay it all out there on the line and just truly not know that whatever's going on, even if you made the biggest mistakes in the world, it's, it's a safe place to let that out and have really awesome support for that. So that's kind of how it still, um, that's always how it's been for my, me and my brother, I feel like, you know, so yeah. I noticed, well, growing up with that older sibling, that uh, I was influenced her by her in so many ways, musically, uh, maybe not sports-wise. Uh, I kind of developed my thing there, but I there's so much like music in my life that my sister inspired me on. I think I like musicals to the day because we had a good collection of records that were like former musicals, and so or had a big music soundtrack at least, and. So what, what did you share a lot of common musical interests where you said your opposites though. So were you like into books? He was into TV. So what were some of your likes and dislikes that you shared? Well, musically. Yeah. My brother was a big inspiration to me musically. We liked a lot of the similar kind of music and then, yeah, you know, still, still this day, the same, same type feel, but yeah, he's very, uh, I guess, intellectual reads, <laughs> very yeah. into books and study and, where I'm out, you know, I like to do things outdoors and I'm a little bit woodsy and, you know, I, I like to hang out with my friends and party and have a good time and stuff like that. And so, yeah. Um, but either, either way, you know, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, we definitely had a lot musically in common and, you know um, yeah, he, he likes, he likes movies a lot more than I do. Um, but yeah, I'm more into, I'm really more into music. So yeah, that's, you know, yeah. That's good. Um, so as a kid growing up, Casper, Wyoming, you still have a lot of memories of Casper growing up there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, tons of memories. Actually, I probably even have one. I, I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, no, I have a ton, ton of memories. In fact, we just drove up Casper mountain in September 
up to the ski area. Oh, yeah. But being living in Glenrock, when you wanted to go do anything, it was always in Casper for the most part. Um, although the ranch we had was pretty awesome. We got to go out there and do all the do all this ranch work and, and shoot guns. And um, it was really cool getting to do that in the summertime. Um, but yeah, I just I, I skied all the time. I started skiing when I was probably four years old. And um, I started racing when I was six and um, raced up on Casper Mountain and um, had a lot of good fond memories of just spending a ton of time in Casper. And Glenrock too. It was just this little tiny town where it was. We went went to Glenrock in sept, uh, September of this year too, and it has not changed at all. So, um, but yeah, it was a great place to grow up and be a kid because you know we we go down by the the creek and you you know you'd shoot each other BB guns and launch bottle rockets at each other and you know um, you know pe- people got hurt, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was, you know, you put a bandaid on it and you're okay. And, you know, we had a good time and, um, yeah, and it, it was, it was a great place to grow up. You know, it was a place where you could open the door and let your dog out the front door and then, you know, they'd come back and, you know, yeah, it was just a great, really cool place to grow up, you know? So. I grew up in, well, it's hard. It's interesting to say this, a suburb of Portland, Oregon called Gresham, Oregon. And, uh, but my house was the kind of, the country i guess it was set on a, an acre of forest and then behind that was another protected acre of forest and then there was a neighborhood and so i had friends in that neighborhood but my house was really almost in this forest we call it the woods and so we grew up in that situation with the creek and yeah where you just let your dog out and you can run around the woods and everything and i'm always like anybody that didn't grow up that way i feel bad for because my imagination ran wild like totally made me who I am today and how like the crazy thoughts can go through my head at any given moment because I had the chance to explore my imagination growing up there, not on some street, not inside all day long. I mean, even though it was Oregon and the Northwest where your days going outside were limited because of rain and such, but it was awesome. And so it's great to hear that you kind of had a very similar experience. Yeah, we had a, a lot of, yeah, yeah, um, but, you know, my, my dad worked in the, uh, the school district, but in the summer he worked as a ranch hand for quite a few years where he ran cattle, he was a horseman, and then he ended up uh, pumping oil uh, for the same ranch guy, which was a very common, pretty common in Wyoming, yeah. but then he had a chance to um, manage this ranch for these people that bought it and they were from new jersey and they really didn't know anything about <laughs> ranching yeah. so they moved out there and bought some acres and had cattle and we just kind of ranched the place for them as a family and um that was where yeah we got to do you know you had to learn to drive trucks and you know ride horses and kind of be independent and build fit you got a lot of responsibilities but you get independence with those responsibilities so it's just really cool um but yeah, I remember stuff like, you know, you have a compass and you have to count off distance to try to find like, you know, you start figuring that kind of stuff yeah. out. And so it was really cool. So, yeah, so, that was that was awesome. So so Casper Mountain was your mountain where you grew up to ski. That is. Yeah. I did not know that. That's interesting. Mine was Mount Hood. And okay. I learned there in wet, wet snow compared to what we have here in middle America snow. It's so dry and fluffy and awesome. I remember the first time 
like I skied powder in uh, Laramie or Colorado or wherever. And I'm used to Oregon and I'd be flying just to get through this stuff because it's just so wet. And I flew through it and I was like, oh, you couldn't keep me out of it after that. It was so nice. Wow, nice update on my on my computer right there when uh, uh. yeah hopefully nothing shuts off anytime soon uh but yeah casper mountain growing up there uh you you've been skiing since you were four um so was there any other activities you took to sports wise besides skiing and such um i mean i played baseball a lot when i was a kid but uh but mainly, mainly ski skiing and ski racing i would i would race i raced in all over I would when I was a younger younger when I lived in Glen Rock we would I'd race um, in Casper of course but then we would go to uh, a lot of different places in Montana and race and we'd race some downhill races and super G's which were pretty f- intense races as a kid you know um, there was you know some crazy things that happened at some of those races you know I remember one where a girl died on the course you know I mean it was really intense it was uh, it was pretty really scary but you know they the hills are man-made snow the super fast but that's what racing racing was all about you know yeah, so yeah. and i i loved it i really i really liked it and so yeah i just kind of always kept up with my my ski racing so yeah and um i that was my main my main sport but yeah baseball was really fun too but yeah skiing was my main main thing so so you what did you go like year-round camps ski wise did you go no, I didn't. I would do, um, you know, no, just in like the typical Wyoming ski season. And in, in the summertime, I, I did a lot of other things. You know, I spent a lot of time out on the ranch and I did a, a ton of shooting, you know, um, you know, doing rifle shooting. So, um, you know, you know, it's done a ton of rifle shooting. And so and then we would do hunting in the um, I would hunt in the um, in the fall. Yeah. And so that was kind of get back, get back into it. You know, I did track and field when I was younger, although yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't very I wasn't I couldn't sprint the fastest. I couldn't keep up in the mile and I hated running the 400 and the 800 because it was just a death race. <laughs> you know, you just were oh, exhausted by the time you got done. It was crazy. Running for sport, I didn't get. I understood for for training for other sport, like to actually compete in other thing. But just that is your sport? Oh, no way. Or running for pleasure. I don't get it. Yet, I have ran some 5Ks in my day. If you would have told me that when I was in high school, I would have told you you're out of your mind, but things have changed. But yeah, uh, I don't get it. And so I never did. I was all the weight man competitions, throwing stuff, shot put, discus. When I did track, uh, my older sister was like, she was a great hurdleist and she was a great runner. I was different. I was built differently, but I tried to be a hurdleist and it did not go well. Uh, so I didn't stick with track as long as she did. She was very good at it. But uh, were you good academically? Was that your thing? I, I was okay student, sometimes bad, but not very great. I don't know. I, I did. I, it was, it was kind of, I had a, it was very interesting. I, when I applied myself, yeah, I was able to, I got, I mean, I, I think I ended up with a pretty, pretty decent, you know, GPA. I mean, I really, yeah, I, I was, I didn't take all the hard classes, but <laughs> I took, I took the things I liked, but I, I got, I got good grades. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I was able to pass and always maintain eligibility and, you know, yeah. So. 
Well, that was always the thing, eligibility. I guess that's what kept me motivated to pass. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't care about school. But um, yeah, to play sports, that was kind of my ticket. Because I moved to Laramie when I was 13, similar to you. But you moved from Casper to Laramie, which is probably shocking. Because you're, you're, you're down, you're getting smaller in the area. Glen Rock is small. Right, but well, Glen Rock's really small. Yeah, yeah. Like Laramie's way big compared to Glen Rock. Oh yeah, so. of course. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. you still had Casper right there to give you some perspective. Like if you need anything, like you said, you went to Casper. Now you're in Laramie. What was that move like to you? Well, it was it was a tough time in my life because my parents had just gotten a divorce, so it was a lot. Um, there was a that was a separate element. So I kind of brought that, and so. I didn't really have, it wasn't that I didn't have a negative view of Laramie. I just, it was just a rough time in my life. And I just had a hard time embracing things at that point. I was kind of just angry and frustrated. So um, it took me a little while to acclimate to Laramie. And, uh, and it is far different. I mean, I don't know. I haven't lived in Wyoming in a really, really long time, but uh, Wyoming does kind of seem like Laramie is a different, element of Wyoming than, than quite a bit of the rest. And Casper is far different than Wyoming. And Glen Rock was a, a different, different altogether just because it's such a small town that everybody knows everything. And Laramie's big enough where you can kind of get away from some of that. So when I finally got used to Laramie, it ended up becoming one of the most, I, I loved it. It was so awesome. There was so much, so much fun stuff to do there. And I just end up meeting the coolest people and developing a lot of great relationships that I, you know, and, um, yeah. And just really just have it had a great time. I think it was an awesome place to be and go to high school. And I was grateful to great, super grateful to be from Laramie. It's a heavy influence on, on the rest of my life. You know, I look at a lot of the people that I know from Laramie, um, I, you know, very cut from the similar fabric and you know i think it's it's pretty awesome i i, I, I kind of wear that as a badge of honor to be from be graduate you know go to laramie so yeah i mean my parents got divorced when i was six but this was a true separation from like i would see my dad's weekend my dad weekends and such um or during the week whatever it was easy to see him he lived across town but now we are moving states over like two days drive and stuff like that. And so, and I was moving from a suburb of Portland where fashion life was just moving a whole lot quicker to Laramie, Wyoming, where life wasn't moving as quickly. Things got here slower. There wasn't internet or anything by then. So time had forgotten the state. I thought when I got here, I was like, Oh, this is so cool where I grew up at, but not here. And I was very resentful of this place of Laramie. And it took me probably till my senior year of high school to be like, all right, this ain't bad. Like, I don't mind as much. I had a good year that year. It was everything went right. Girlfriend, senior varsity football player. Everything was good. Finally it worked out. But I, prior to that, I struggled to embrace Laramie. I always wanted to be back in Oregon. It was always, I always thought I'd live there again, but I didn't, I chose Laramie again, which was, was so interesting. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, but yet, yes, Laramie is completely different. And I could not live in any other part of the state but Laramie, Wyoming, because it is what it is, is a college town. And the energy of this town moves it and gives access 
do a lot of things you probably wouldn't get in a Casper and a Gillette or a Sheridan, Wyoming. Not to say those are bad places to live, but Laramie has the culture just because it's a constant moving college culture. And we got to experience a lot of that growing up just by just being here in Laramie, being, being Laramie kids. So growing up, you're now in Laramie. Um, you're, do you take to sports again? Do you take to rebellion again? Are you sneaking out at night? I snuck out at night a lot when I first moved here. It was <laughs> stupid. I, I, I got bad friends. I didn't pick the right friends right away. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. There's some things I probably won't disclose that happened. Yeah, but, uh, um, but yeah, no. I, there was there's there's a lot of that. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yep. I yep did did that. But then I don't know. Um, yeah, I I you know still stayed with ski racing re really intently. Um, kind of continued on with with baseball, and then I got really also into skateboarding too, and that that became that became a big deal to me. And then by the time I think I was in 10th grade, I was just really only into ski racing. I ran cross country just so I could get stamina, stamina for ski racing. Um, you know, I, you'd get really great, especially running in Laramie, you could breathe, you know? So, um, you know, but then, but then it was just pretty much skateboarding. And then I really, uh, got, got where I just really wanted to play music with my friends and, and be in like, punk rock and metal bands and, and, um, and skateboard and, and ski race, you know, and that's really, that's really what I wanted to do. So that would, that became evident in my life that that was going to be a huge part of my future. So, you know, yeah. what instrument did you pick up first? What was, well, I played, I played drums when I was a little kid, even in Glen rock, I learned to play some drums then, but, um, but I kind of got, uh, it was through one of my dad's dad's friends. And I just kind of, because of the divorce, I just, I, I kind of separated from music. And then, um, but then I bought uh, some of my friends got guitars, like electric guitars, and we didn't know what we were doing. And we started tinkering around and I got a bass and then another friend had a drum set and we started just going in there and doing garage punk rock. So, um, and it was, it was awesome is what we, you know, we go ride skateboards on the ramp and, um we all watched all those skate videos uh all the skaters and so we always wanted to live like southern california style where you have a skateboard ramp and a drum set and you're you know it's all punk rock you know and so that that became pretty awesome because we had that at this kid at this person uh, uh brad snow's house he had this stuff and so we would go to his um down there i think it was on 7th street in laramie and we would go down to his uh garage and we started our band uh we started our band you know and started playing down there so that was pretty cool so it was i had uh was it public in was it public enemy god what was it called i had a uh um pal peralta video and for a long time tommy guerrero was my favorite skater i had his board until i moved here because i didn't think skating would be big here but at that time, I was also choosing to become more all about playing football and stuff. So skating was probably screw up my knees or ankles. or And I had enough injuries enough because we, out in Oregon, there were two half pipes. And one was close to my house, but it was shitty. And it had like, you, you get slivers and, and everything. But then there was one that was further away, but it was really good. So we'd practice on the shitty one so we didn't look like fools on the good one. So ah, that's awesome. shit. 
but you were dead tired because it's so far, far from our house to skate over. Usually I'd ride my bike, throw the deck on the front and then skate out and then go over. But yeah, I think about probably the amount of plywood splinters I pulled out of fingers and knees and stuff. I know I probably didn't wear the night right knee pads to do any of this uh, as young as I was, but we were built out of rubber then. So I was a skater too until I got here. And then I probably should have stayed with it, but things. I like sports. I like football. I like hitting people. It probably let me take out my frustrations of being in Laramie. And so, <laughs> so you were, you're picked up the guitar. Now you're, now you're playing music. Uh, you're, you're trying to play. Did you have someone teach you or you're just like, I'm going to, I'm going to hammer this out. Well, I had, I mean, I, I, yeah, eventually probably within a, uh, like the first year I had someone kind of show me a few things. And then um, there was another guy from Laramie that really, he was an amazing guitar player and uh, he, he showed me quite a bit. Um, yeah. And so um, J- Joe, I'm trying to remember Joe's last name. Um, man. Nope. It's not coming to me. Yeah, it was a long, long, long time ago, yeah, yeah. but then, you know, he was, he was, uh, um, yeah, he was awesome. And he, you know, so I started playing with, you know, I took what he learned was teaching me a little bit and put it into, put it into the bands I was, I was playing with and, you know, kind of creating our own stuff. And, you know, it was, it was very, very garage and am, but it was still something that we really liked to do and had a good time. So, yeah. Yeah. I was always like my best friend in high school around that time period was Bill Berzuela and he played bass. Yeah, he was playing in bands too and all that such, but yet never. I was always, I don't know, a groupie, a band aid, whatever guy on the side. I was like, I don't carry equipment, I just watch. Like, because there's been <laughs> multiple times I've been friends with bands, but I'm just not, I don't have any part of them, but being a fan or standing around there, but, yeah, or being you know, I'm part of the house that they they uh practice at or whatever, you know, stuff like that. But with him, yeah, I, I became a fan of bass-driven music. And so probably still the day I, I can pick it up pretty easily. And so I'm like, yeah, this is good. And of course, yeah, Primus and you got Red Hot Chili Peppers were definitely thumping a lot because those were bass-driven musical acts at the time. You know, we were fighting them. And they're still raw and new. Now they've kind of changed a lot, both those bands. But um, it's not really Primus as much. Chili Peppers, a whole lot. Yeah. And, uh, but it was great to watch the music scene of Laramie. I mean, I'm sure every town may, maybe has their own high school bands that pop up, but we also had a college here. So you had college bands too. So you're kind of competing for the same stage as you played or the same garage. Um, did you guys, what was your first band name? Well, it was Bud. It stood for Brain Underdeveloped and it was just okay. the goofiest thing. And it was kind of, we had the Budweiser logo and so yeah um yeah and so yeah like we practiced like we say i practiced we practiced in i think it was uh brad's garage and then um you know we we met uh i i know we met well tim and justin from laramie we met them pretty quick when um they moved here because they skated too so we skated with them and they were in like file 13 they you know and so they started putting on the shows but and we were already hanging out with them for quite a long time at that point. And so we were in this band too, and they started putting our band on, which was awesome. You know, it was totally, totally cool. So, um, you know, we were very grateful to get a, get a, get on stage and, and, you know, put our stuff out there and, 
yeah. So, um, you know, so, you know, yeah, we kind of, and we started hanging out and then later on, I really started hanging out with both, you know, Tim and Justin quite a bit, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, who was in your original band? Who are the, who um, the players? It was, um, Brian Shaw and Brad Snow and then, and then me. So I think that, yeah. Yeah. Because I asked that because Ray Carlisle talked about playing with, I think you and, and Brian one time, I think he brought it up. Like you guys had like maybe a house show or something. Oh, I know we played a show, I think in their basement with another band we had called Burrito Assault. But I also remember playing music with Ray. I think we were really young. We had a band, uh, we played for a very short amount of time with and Andrew Zimmerman, I think. Andrew Zook, Andrew Zook. Oh, and he was doing the singing and it was vehicular homicide. And we played out at his garage and we only played a few practices. We didn't, you know, but that, that was about it. So yeah, I think I played with a lot of different folks in Laramie. So, you know, yeah. So you're playing in high school bands, you're ski racing in high school at the same time, skateboarding as you can in Laramie, what, three or four months out of the year. Uh, yeah. And then and going to high school, uh, how did you fare skiing wise? What was your best, your most successful year out of the years you skied raced here? Well, my my sophomore year, um, I had really turned the corner, I think, and I was um, just not. I I think I uh, was placing in the top, you know, five of almost every, every slalom, and sometimes in you know the top three at least a couple times. And then I broke uh, broke my ACL in my femur, and uh, season was over at that point. And I missed the, a third of the a third of the races, but I still made the all state team, which was pretty awesome. Missing a third of the races, and then the next year I came back, and I could usually get in the top. I think you know five or six in slalom, and still finish in the top ten in GS. But I had a pretty it took me a while to swallow that cup of fear of coming of overcoming that thing. And finally, by the time I was a senior, I had let that go and I was letting it fly again and just being able to, um, then I dislocated my shoulder on the Hill. And, uh, so I was just battling injury all year, but it was my last year racing skis. And I knew that. So I just didn't care. I just kept charging the whole year. And, um, you know, so I, yeah, I had a, I think I had a first place finish that what that year and uh, a couple top three in slalom and, um, in the top five in GS a couple times. So yeah, I had a great year, my senior year, but the second the season was over, I was getting surgery. So, but yeah, I had my senior year, the worst wreck time trials, um, brand new skis going to that year best shape of my life from playing football and everything had a successful junior year. So I was, I had high expectations for myself um, and had the worst wreck that took mentally years to recover from, but tore up my ankle and knee ski boots, you know, don't go left to right, but they do go up and down. And I caught my toe and I was hauling ass. I was flying through the air and my, my ski fell off. And I was like, well, I'm screwed. Like literally, I remember that thought. Like I looked down and go, I am screwed. Catch my toe. It's a yard sale. Everything's flying everywhere. I'm hurting. Uh, I'm like, all right. I grab my gear. I ski down. Luckily, we're good enough. Ski down the rest of the hill on one ski. 
hobble into first aid, pop my boot and be like, something's wrong. And it just was like black and blue. Oh, no. And it's, it's time trial. So I got to sit around and wait while everybody's doing time trials. And I'm just, you know, going, I'm screwed thinking it's broken for sure. And the season's over and everything. And it turned out it was, you know, like high ankle sprain, like you hear about in the NFL these days. And it was difficult rehab. Luckily I had an in with Miss G where I would go in in the morning, get taped up, be able to walk through the day, get it cut off, do exercises, rehab, get taped back up. So I could walk again, go home, sleep, cut it off, shower, repeat process. And eventually until I could get back and I skied the last race of the year. And oh, wow. luckily we had Stonehouse as a coach and he liked football players. So he let me travel to state and everything. I didn't ski or anything, but it was, it was the end of me, but yeah, I bounced back from an injury that I mean, nowadays I'd be done. Yeah. It'd probably be surgery. Yeah. Of course. But yeah, I understand that you never really totally recovery mental wise. I couldn't squat. Right. I couldn't like do a lot of things. I sound like a popcorn machine in the day. Mm. And a side effect <laughs> was that later on in my life, drinking, I drink, get drunk one night, you know, and it thins your blood and my my knee would get loosened up while drinking or dancing and everything. And the next day, my <laughs> knee would just throb. It hurt so much. Mm. And my friends would gauge my drunkenness on how bad my knee hurt the next day. They're like, how's your knee rude? And I'm like, oh, just painful. And they're like, Oh yeah, we got drunk last night. Like yes, my knee can tell. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. It's no longer that way, but it was that was happened for a long time. Right. So yeah, skiing. Hey, you just said someone died. You suffered some major injuries, but yet we do it. Do you still ski to the day? Um, I haven't skied in the last few years, but there's been a few different reasons because of that. I've also sustained a recent injury, and you know, but yeah. But I remember, were you on the school bus when it rolled that day? You were not. Okay, okay. I didn't know. Story, I went to Denver to go see a a a play. It was performed in the round. I was in drama class. And I get back, and your brother, I run into your brother, and he is like, you're back from the hospital? And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And he's like the ski bus rolled over. You're not on it. And I was like, no, I was actually fortunate enough that I was just gone the other way. I was going to miss practice that day. And so, yeah, we talked about it, it rolling over or falling on side. So you were on it. Yeah. So, falling on its side. It kind of rolled up on its side and it slid pretty far down the road too. So yeah. Wasn't that, it was a, like a Wednesday night. We, I think we, I think, they would bus us up to the ski area real fast. We try to haul ass up there, maybe get one lift run in and otherwise hike it up and down. Yeah, you're true, hiking. True training. Like I loved it because we weren't playing soccer once again. So that was great. I love getting in that stuff, but different driver than normal, <laughs> from my understanding. I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, guys, you're coming back and you hit that turn. Right outside of Centennial, is this correct? Yeah, that that yeah, the right coming into Centennial, and I remember I think Rick Stonehouse he 
he looked and he was like, hold on, we're going for a ride. You know, and he was pretty stone faced, really calm about it. Yeah. Yep. He was just like, brace yourself. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a wild one. So. Wow. And I yeah. that we were going to travel. Like I was traveling, like we were, I think we were like, Moreland maybe next. And we had a hard time getting you guys on the bus. Like, <laughs> everyone that was on that bus and I wasn't, was like, come on. You know, you guys were like, no, all right. You'd be like, you, sweep. You're like, yeah, I don't know. Uh. And then you realize it was our normal bus driver. And you're like, okay, we can trust you. I think Jason Anderson's dad was our our normal bus driver. And he wasn't the one that let it wreck. And so we were like, oh, wait, Dean was his name. Yes. Dean, wow. yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah. He came and got us that same night. They pull up in another bus and we're like, we're not getting, oh, it's Dean. Okay. So he was the guy that trucked us through all the snow in Wyoming in a big bus. So you feel pretty safe with the guy. So yeah. yeah. But anyway, that was, that, I, that was, a, that was a memory I definitely had from high school is the bus, the bus wreck. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was, but yeah, it's so interesting that your brother saw me like right after I was like walking into the high school and he was like, you're back from the hospital. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, so yeah, uh, I'm glad I missed that one. That was a good yeah. day to miss practice, I guess. No um, kidding. I can't remember the play. I remember, oh wait, crazy things in Denver that happened around that play. I swear there was like a, a drug bus that went down the streets, like cops were chasing down some dudes, like in and out of traffic, like on foot. And a car caught on fire. Like the engine was like, just caught on fire. Like someone was trying to start their car all around this play that we were about to see. And it was performed in the round. So that was a new experience for me, but I don't know how I remember things like this from then because <laughs> my memory nowadays kind of sucks. Short-term sucks long-term. If you get it in my memory, long-term it's there for a good, good chunk. And I always tell people I don't have kids. So I don't have to delete files to remember my life. And that helps because my buddy, all my friends are like, I have terrible memories. And I'm like, but you have great memories of your kids. And I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, there you go. You don't have to keep stuff like what happened in Denver in 10th grade in your <laughs> head, like stuff like that. That's when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> so long ago. Thanks for bringing up that memory with me. Uh, so you're, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna graduate high school from Laramie high school. What's next for you? Well then, you know, I just kind of worked for a few months and then I moved to Portland, Oregon right after that. So so you're familiar with Gresham. Yeah, know. very much so. Yeah, yeah. I lived in South Portland. Um, yeah, spent a year in Portland. So yeah, going to school. Um, I went to culinary school and graduated from culinary school. So that was really cool. Yeah, I had a good time. I skateboarded and did the culinary school thing, which was go to school, party, and skateboard. So yeah, so it was, was kind of a wild year. So did you, was that always in the back of your mind that I want to go to culinary school or that just someone was like, Hey, I think you, you're a great cook or you just, was no, like, I just, well. I always loved to cook. I cooked with my dad and my, my grandma. And then it was just kind of, you know, I, I had lived in Laramie and I, I thought it was cool, but I, you know, kind of was really looking for, I lived in Glen Rock before that. And then in Laramie, I was looking for something a little different and, you know, I wanted to kind of experience big city life and I didn't really know what I wanted to do for a career. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of, it's just all the, all the pieces came together there. 
you know, I, I thought I might be a good candidate for the the military, but after all the um, injuries that I had from ski racing, they weren't quite inclined to take me at that time, you know. And so, so yeah, I went to culinary school. Um, yeah, and and plus, I there was two reasons I did want to go, and I really wanted to go kind of live in Portland and live and li- check out this this kind of cool city that I've heard a lot about. So, you know, it's pretty awesome there, you know. Yeah. And then when I moved out there, I got really pretty much drawn to the Northwest. So I fell in love with it. I agree. Um, I thought I was getting up back in Portland. I graduated college here and I worked at summer camps in New York and I met a woman there and she was from England. We got married and we decided to live in New York. And so that didn't work out. And I thought I got a job here at the University of Wyoming. There was an offer that came up. I was going through divorce, came back here. And I thought five years, I'm back in Portland. It is 18, nearly 18 years later, 17 years later, I'm still in Laramie. Uh, got a good career on a house. Great girl. Uh, I, I think going back to the rain was a deterrent for me because I got used to all the sunshine. I knew I grew up in it. But every time I go visit friends, family out there, I'd be like, oh, man, it's a fifth day of clouds and I'm about to throw myself off a bridge. <laughs> and yeah, I go say something, you know, Wyoming, it's cold, but we got sunshine all the time and it really does help the psyche. And it was difficult to get used to going back to the rain again. I do love the Pacific Northwest. My heart is uh, is all about it, except those Seahawks um, and everything. <laughs> My parents, my whole family, I see uh, Troy's got a uh, Seahawks thing up in the corner. We're doing something new here on All My Friends with Justin Flasker. We do have a little bit of an audience hanging out. And uh, one of Reed's friends, Troy, they're from the Seattle area, and he's got a Seattle mural in the background. My whole family is Seattle fans. Uh, One channel growing up, San Francisco 49ers, one channel Seahawks. I went with the Niners. They were in the AFC and the NFC at the time. Wasn't an issue. And then they had to realign the conferences and make it a family issue where it's hard to be around the family some days. And sometimes we don't talk two times a year, but otherwise we're pretty supportive of each other's teams and everything uh, because it is a Pacific Northwest. I mean, it's sad to say you probably, if you chose basketball, you got to cheer for those trailblazers. That's the closest team you got now, nowadays. It's t- difficult. I know. I know yeah, these Sonic fans that are now Trailblazer fans. <laughs> I was a huge, huge Sonics fan. I went to yeah. so many games, and then I just felt so jaded by the NBA that that's kind of when I switched over to football, and that's kind of when Seattle started putting together a, a decent program for the first time. They had, you know, Sean Alexander, and and, oh, yeah. uh, and they, they did okay, and then, you know, they progressed into a really – you know, a really great team besides last weekend, but that's a whole different story. So it's 2020. Man. Yeah. Anything's possible. That's why I say, yeah. and, you know, I've been to quite a few Seahawks games. I live up here pretty close to Seattle. Yeah. Now I live North. Uh, I don't live in Seattle. I'll, I'll, I'll put it like that. So, yeah. but I live North of Seattle. So close enough to go to games and yeah. and everything. Oh yeah. I, I understand the fandom. It's, I mean, and also, to know the fandom growing up living out there and having family and they were just were a bad team for a long time. And so now 
They're not. They're a great team. And they're hard to beat. Yes, last week and a little different, but they're hard to beat. And if you have Russell Wilson and their coach, Pete Carroll, I think you got a chance. It could be 56 to nothing. You still got a chance. Like Seattle's got a chance. So they're that good of a team in franchise. I hate saying it, but because I'm a Niners fan, but respect game's game. And, yep. and if I got it, <coughs> excuse me, I don't know if I have a second team. They used to be my second team, but it's hard to cheer for the same the team as a rival in your conference. So kind of cheer for Josh Allen a little bit out for the Bills. Um, Justin Herbert, I'm a big old Ducks fan. He's playing for Chargers now, so I cheer for Ducks as well. Uh, growing up in Oregon, it was I was a Duck fan before. I was a Wyoming Cowboy fan. And yeah. then it slowly became, I went to University of Wyoming. Now I'm a work here. Now I've season tickets. Great. And then they played each other. And I'm like, everyone's like, who are you going to cheer for? And I'm like, Wyoming. Of course. So I love Oregon. They're my one B team, but I'm a, I'm a super fan for the pokes. Yeah. And so you're out there going to culinary school, Portland. We wind back. Cause it's one of my favorite cities. Running back to Portland. Uh, going to culinary school, skating all around that town. I remember that uh, Pal Peralta video was uh, Public Domain was the name of the video. I don't know if you remember ever watching that one, but it had all the feature, all the different skaters, great music and such. I wish I might have it on VHS. I wish I could transfer it over to DVD without it losing a bunch of its uh, quality. But so Portland's a pretty good place to skate, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they have well, of course they have the Burnside Skate Park, which was huge and. I went down there and skated when I could, but it was pretty intimidating to skate down there. So, um, but they had some awesome, more street style skateboarding, you know? Um, So yeah, I just, yeah, I would go down there and met, met quite a few folks and, and skate quite a bit. And then, um, you know, then some of the other, some of the folks, you know, even people I met from culinary school skated too, and they kind of got me hooked on snowboarding a little bit. So I started doing, doing some snowboarding down there, but yeah, it was, it was fun. We'd just go down there at the waterfront and, um, yeah, you, you hang out and yeah, just, yeah, just, they have the Saturday market down there. Um, tons of cool stuff to do. So yeah, it was, it was just a really good time. I met a lot of cool people and, you know, it was, you're 18, 19 years old, I think, you know, and I didn't no parents around at all. And you're all on your own in this, in this kind of wild city. So you know, yeah, it was just a time to be young and, and kind of wild and go go crazy and skate and be a skate punk. So that was that was a great, great fun time of my life. But the one thing I kind of was a drawback was, well, you know, like you said, I, I wasn't used to living in the Northwest. So the constant gray days were 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 got kind of old. And then um, I, I was I'm used to living in Wyoming, too, where I would hang my shirt up on the back of a chair when it's halfway wet, you know, and then the next day it's bone dry. But out, you know, out here that gets all stinky and moldy. And so, but um, I also really miss playing in a band with people. And I didn't have anyone I connected with in like musically in Portland. And I didn't have, you know, a space to play. So I kind of craved starting to do that again. So that was the one kind of element that I really missed about, about, you know, living in Portland. So, yeah. So, so going to culinary school, did that, does that set you up for a job? right away are you working while you're in culinary school how does that work well i mean i didn't i didn't work while i went there i had uh kind of saved up quite a bit of money through working while i was in high school enough to just float the bill and so but then soon as the soon as i got done with my internship um 
yeah, I had got injured again skateboarding, but I moved back to Laramie and got in uh, surgery and lived at home with my mom for a bit. And then, uh, but then as soon as I was able to work again, I got a job in Laramie and started working right away in a restaurant um, as a sous chef. Um, I, it was like, it was at a hotel, I forget, uh, in kind of out there by on 287, but it was, it was, it was very short lived. And, you know, I was, I knew I was going to end up kind of coming back out, back out here to Washington. So, yeah. So when did you go back? To, when did you get to Washington? So I probably, uh, let's see, um, after a year after, in 1995, I'd moved back to Laramie probably in uh, late 1994. And then in the summer of 95, I moved out here to, um, to Snohomish County in Washington. And so, yeah, and then I got a, a job at a steakhouse uh, for, for a little while. And then I, then I got a, a job at um, a hotel and an Italian restaurant and then another Italian restaurant and kind of did the restaurant thing for, for a while. And uh, yeah, I got quickly involved in bands and skating and snowboarding and, you know, and yeah, Washington was really awesome. And yeah, I, yeah. So was it mostly in, in around the Seattle area? Just or, north of Seattle and Everett areas where we lived. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if I'm sure a lot of people from Laramie know Tim Butterfield, but, um, you know, I, I ended up being Tim's roommate and playing bands with him and work ended up working with, in restaurants with him. And we kind of, you know, yeah, we started really getting really deep in kind of the the heavy metal scene in Seattle and, and did, we did a lot of shows in the, in the Seattle area. We lived up North and practiced up North, but, um, the, and, uh, you know, Misty was involved with their band. She's from Laramie too. And so, yeah, we met, um, yeah, we got our, we got our band going pretty good and started playing. Um, and that's really what, what it was about was just going to work for me and, uh, going to work and band practice and then trying to, play as many possible shows you can and get as much exposure for your band as you can. So that, that became huge for, you know, for quite a long time. So yeah, it was fun. What we had band a, name? Well, that, that band was called Barbie car. It actually well, started in Laramie. So um, Barbie okay. car, we played that band for quite a long time. Um, you know, we did a, we did a couple of little small tours and put out a couple couple albums but uh um but yeah we got involved with playing with uh the, the this music organization type thing in seattle where all the bands would partner with the venues there and then um to help kind of cross promote the shows and promote heavy metal music because it really wasn't quite grunge rock was still kind of king in seattle at that time and um there's a lot of people really wanting some heavier stuff i'm not you know uh and just kind of heavier and more, I, I guess, aggressive music for, for, you know, people really craving it around here. And so we were able to work with quite a, quite a few of the venues and, and uh, you know, get into some of the huge venues, you know, the Crocodile and the Phoenix and um, the Showbox and had some really awesome shows and some big shows and got to play with a lot of cool bands and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I had a lot of awesome times too, just some wild, wild nights and, some crazy things happen and you know yeah a lot of we kind of got a little bit notorious for being the band that would show up and get into it and there would always be a big giant fight when we played and 
you oh, know, yeah. since police would show up sometimes that'd been known to happen. And, you know, it was a band called Barbie car. It was a death metal band called Barbie car that showed up and saw crazy and started fights. So, and it was kind of like comedy, comedy, like sort of comedy death metal too. So it was, you know, yeah. I don't uh, know how to describe it. What was your role in the band? What'd you do? I did vocals and get and guitar. Okay. Yeah. And so that's pretty, that's my primary instrument now as I play guitar. And so, yeah, but then, um, yeah, then things happen and the band kind of fizzled out the drummer left the band and, um, it's, he was a huge part of it. it really wasn't sustainable. And we kind of moved on to another band, which, which was, I, I love that band, but it was really weird for, it was Dorgan owner. It was, but it was just, Tim and I and well Misty was in it for a while but then um then she ended up leaving the band so it was just two people in the band but it was kind of techno metal where it was uh, a drum machine a bass and a guitar but we had you know we had programmed in tons of different samples and we used a lot of like hip-hop drums over death metal guitar and heavy metal guitar and intertwined it with acoustic drums and um you know kind of just took took things to a, a level that I I mean that I would want you know it was more about me I hate to say that but as an artist <laughs> I was just like this is I you know I like playing shows and recording music it's fun but it's to me it's all about if the song if if what I'm playing makes me happy that's what I want to do so if I'm totally into it I don't you know I'm yeah I'm doing this for me you know I'm doing this to entertain myself you know if I you know and so a lot of the people you end up playing with want to want to put their stuff out there. And so you get to make a compromise, but nonetheless, I mean, we had some really, really weird, weird, insane songs. And then we had some ones that were pretty catchy and you can get into, but yeah. And we got some distribution from a, um, some, a record label and stuff like that, which was cool. And uh, yeah. And then later on we ended up uh, progressing into another, um, another band, which is, yeah the Sporicide, which is Troy. He was the drummer for Sporicide, my buddy. And then um, we played in that band for, I don't even know how long, 15, 16 years. And it was kind of our side project when everyone got started, but the band took off pretty good. And we ended up playing quite a few shows and putting out albums and went through bass players and different singers. And it was one of the, you know, it was a long, it was kind of a lifelong project. And then unfortunately just a few years ago that split up too and so troy and i have yet started another band so yeah so yeah it's pretty cool all right is this new band you guys uh are, are you guys developmental right now you guys getting other people into it or is, or is it full-fledged we're playing shows no it's full-fledged we're playing shows we still have we have we don't have a lot of material right. but we played a show about a year ago and uh it was really kind of our first show it was uh a little bit rough there was it was kind of a weird day um there's a lot of personal things that happened that day so the show was just really awkward and weird and it didn't go well and then we decided to try to maybe put in some more practice before we went to play more music um uh you know and then covid happened and obviously we actually did play a show on on covid at the at Tony V's garage in Everett, which is the, uh, which is the bar, the cool, the really cool rock venue in Everett, but uh, it was closed and we did it on, um, I'm trying to remember what it was called, uh, Twitch. Oh, Facebook. We did oh. it live on Facebook and we did it live on Twitch too, but it was just interesting going into the bar when nobody's in there 
and the bartender's like hey you know i can't you can drink up what what you want at the bar it's, i can't sell it anyway so it's like, you know like that you know it was, it was a inter- definitely an interesting night there so it was it was it was cool to get to play a show again and um especially on a big big huge loud stage with the pa and in your new band and we were way more dialed in so it was it was you know yeah it was it was a good time but yeah, we're definitely ready to play shows now, but I, 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 you got to wonder when the next time you're going to play a show is. So. True. And if you guys ever get anything recorded, I do am a part of a radio station and um, Cowboy Joe Radio. And I don't run as many new radio, new artist shows. My buddy does Jeff, uh, Rickett. He promotes all sorts of indie music. And so uh, if you send it to me, I'll get it to him. He'll play it. I'll play it on my shows regardless. I can play whatever I want. Because I go back to, I have four radio shows. And every one of them that I make each week entertains me. <laughs> and that's what's important. And I think it'll entertain everybody else. Because I, I was a bar DJ for a long time. I kind of know what I'm doing with that kind of stuff. And so, uh, but yeah, they have to entertain me first. That's what I think. I got to be entertained by it first. Otherwise, why do it? Why play music if you're not entertained by your own music? Then that's yeah. That's I, yeah. I couldn't agree more. So yeah. So yeah, if you guys, uh, I mean, if you get something recorded, definitely talk to us. We'll be you guys will be playing music again. You can feel it soon. Uh, I'm itching for everybody. I'm gonna be huge uh, concert goer. Maybe I slowed down a little bit, but now I got to ramp it back up. Uh, I'm more into I everything. I've seen everybody all because I went to New York for a couple of years. Uh, so I saw the bands out there because everybody plays there. But I'm more these days. Widespread Panic is my band, and they're a hippie jam band. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them from um, Athens, Georgia, uh, kind of in the mold of the Allman Brothers band. I've seen them 50 sometimes, and so oh, I've wow. gone. Yeah, I've gone. They they've sold out Red Rocks the most ever as any band there. Then it's Grateful Dead after that. And I've gone to see them as far as Charlotte, North Carolina. When they took a year off, I saw a New Year's show out there. I've seen them in Vegas a few times. I've seen them in Austin, mostly Red Rocks. They played Targi, Wyoming. Um, and I didn't even get into them until they like when they were like their second, third guitarist. Like I got them way late in life. Uh, they're older than me. And so, but yeah, I mean, music is awesome and where it's at. And I love playing all sorts and everything. And so uh, it's definitely uh, probably made my life easier and to get through during COVID is being able to do music shows, listen to music. I know people aren't torn as much, but I'm getting caught up with a lot of the stuff that was released because nobody's really releasing a whole lot of things. So you can kind of catch up, expand your music. Uh, grab shows that you don't have from here and there. Cause I'm into live shows. It's a lot of what I'm, I mean, like we like to record or not record, but having my collection and everything. Uh, who are your, I like to ask this of everyone, top five artists, bands. Can you do it? Name your top five. Mm, I don't know. They're probably all metal bands. That's kind of funny. So yeah. Um, I don't really, I, I don't really know I, if I have like a, a, a top five. I mean, I'm trying to really think about. It. Of course, I love Pantera. <laughs> you know, huge Pantera fan. Um, but I kind of go through phases. I'm way into all the 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 stoner metal. I'd have to say Sleep is 
probably one of my um, favorites. I really, I really, really love Sleep a lot. Um, Black Sabbath is a huge, you know, huge influence. Um, yeah, probably. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of who else I really like. Right, right now, I'm really into the band Cadaver. I think they're pretty awesome. Um, and probably. Um, I don't know. I really love Vader too. They're another one of my favorites. Um, yeah. And so Cephalic Carnage from Denver is, is, I'll throw them in there too. They're, they've always, yeah. Cephalic Carnage has always been a huge influence. Oh, I'll go out. Of, I'll go out of the metal. See, I'm going way more than five. Um, Ween, I'm a huge Ween fan. Oh my God. I love Ween. You know, Ween is I'm amazing. I'm not shocked at all. Oh, the, the Melvins, of oh, course. That's halfway. I, that's halfway away. I live in Seattle, so I could go see the Melvins all the time. They're they're totally awesome. So yeah, Bongzilla. I love that band, Bongzilla. So they're one of my favorites. So yeah. Those are some great. A few of those. I'm like, who? What? Great names. Uh, got it, man. I found. I sound so standard in mine. I'm like, the Doors are probably one of my most influential bands on me. Be, uh, Beastie Boys, as I rock one of their shirts right now. Um, Widespread Panic, of course, because I'm into them. Uh, and, and I always say everybody gets to those first three. They're pretty solid. But the next two float with me, and a lot of people are the same way. I like Jay-Z, but that's also because I got to meet him through one of my jobs in New York. That was pretty cool. And he's so nice to me, being that I was in the press and everything. And I just always loved his music. And then that moment was just even better. And maybe Grateful Dead has, has to be in there. Sublime has to be in there. Um, yeah, it's hard. Bob Marley has to be in there. Uh, it's hard to go down that rabbit hole of music, like they, what I should be in there. And then like, oh yeah, I forgot about, you know, Beatles, parts of the Beatles. They're influential in my life, but they're not all Beatles music am I in love with. And as I was told, I like the druggy Beatles, which that's fine. They made better music when they were doing drugs. I thought, I want to hold your hand was not really my thing, but it modernized music. So I get why it's good. And, how, you know, we wouldn't have a lot of music without the Beatles. So that's okay. They're just not, some of their music's not perfect in my world. But it's great because music is subjective. And I did yeah. know all those heavy metal band names. Definitely. Um, it was something I, I, was a big metal fan and kind of moved in and out of music. Um, geez. Because of my friend that Bill Berzuela was bass player. He liked um, Byron Jake, Jaco. Yeah. He was a drummer and they love like speed metal and all that stuff. So I heard it a lot, but it just never stayed and sunk. Faith No More. Did you go to that concert in Laramie? I did not go um, to that one. Huh? Dude, I don't think I was in town or something that day. Yeah, I remember that. Though. It was uh, Robert Plant was the headliner, and then Faith No More was his opener. And I went for Faith No More. At the time, I had no idea. I didn't care less about Led Zeppelin. Did not care. Burnout band, whatever. Was not into him. Couldn't probably. I didn't. And now I, got, I looked at the set list later and was like, holy cow, they played a lot of Zeppelin. Like I did not know they did. They did that. I recognized a few Robert Plant songs that he played, but like I was there for, uh, what are they called? I just forgot their names now. Uh, Faith No More. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Faith No More. And 
it was so interesting because I have memories that a lot of people went in from Laramie. It was at our arena auditorium where they play basketball. They don't do many concerts there anymore these days. Um, but I remember there's that funny smell of marijuana in the air, which I had no idea what it was because I was more impressed or just locked in that girls were throwing their bras on stage for Robert Plant. And so I was just shocked as a 14 year old that was going on at a concert. And like, I was kind of like, I got to be on that side of the stage. I want to be an entertainer. I was never picked up. I mean, I have a guitar. I play a little here and there, no bands, no aspirations to do that more or less just being like, how do they do that uh, with a guitar? But uh, I was like, I gotta be on that side. And so as a DJ, I love it. I love the live aspect of it and being on stage and getting that rush. And so I can't imagine being a man now and being locked down. Like you guys aren't getting the rush anymore right now because we're all doing COVID. We're all staying home. So what do you do? What, how are you handling COVID? I guess I got to answer this question. You know, you got a band. Are you still cooking and everything? Well, I, um, well, I do quite a, you know, we still have practice with just a few of us. We're able to kind of stay, stay apart and take care of it. And everyone checks themselves. So, so we're able to essentially still stay functioning and, and as a band, we just can't play shows and, you know, um, we're, yeah. we, we, so, but yeah, I still, um, I don't, I don't work as a, as a cook, but I cook more than ever before I, I uh, home, you know, I, I just do home cooking all the time. So that's a, oh, yeah. that's one of the things I do. And then I spend a lot of time. I spend uh, a good shot of my time. Um, I'm involved with a local gun club and we do with, uh, uh, sporting clay shooting where it's essentially like golf with a shotgun so um you shoot you shoot clay targets but they're out in the woods and there's uh pairs and um there are all kinds of things so we have all kinds of competitions where we set set these competitions up and people come and compete that's been a big challenge because of covid we've had to change things but yeah that's um i, I spend a, a ton of time volunteering at the the club running these shoots and putting the machines on. I just, yeah, I love, uh, it was kind of something that came back to me as a, as an adult was, you know, I started getting the guns out and, and shooting at the clay targets again. And it got, I got really hooked on it and, you know, um, that, that was awesome. That's so that's been, yeah, I'm on the, I'm on a, yeah, I've been really heavily involved with the club and, um, yeah, I've been shooting quite a bit. So yeah, that's, that takes up a lot of my time too. So Wow. Hey, you're fine. A lot of people are finding different activities to get that. Well, I guess you probably were involved in that long before COVID, but I mean, it's still something you can get done because it's outdoors and you can clearly stand apart from people while you're shooting a gun. It's probably preferred that people are six feet away from you while you're doing your, your shooting. Yeah. yeah. And everything, maybe even further. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's definitely activity. I noticed an uptick in Wyoming of other people from other states hanging out here because of outdoor activities. A lot of Colorado, a lot of uh, a lot of Montana, not Montana, but the East Coast came to Wyoming because we have a lot of space and a lot of people. And so I was like, yeah, that's let's all get out into the wilderness, but not in the same spot. Let's just <laughs> went out a little bit. And so it is. Uh, I started this podcast because, of, well, I didn't start because of COVID. I wanted to, uh, I've always wanted to do the podcast where I interviewed people, but I didn't know what I who I could interview. I had radio shows, but I didn't 
want to go down the road of interviewing all these musicians because my buddy was doing all that and I just didn't have the time to get him in all the time and I was like I'll interview my friends because man they, they've lived some great lives and my first interview was the only in-person face-to-face and it's probably the week of where COVID is just kind of coming to hitting the United States and uh that's my only face-to-face interview and luckily i'm good with zoom i've been working with zoom for the last couple years it was part of my job at the university and so i was like well i'll just interview people on zoom and get a check in with my friends and hear their stories that way let zoom mix the audio for me which is so nice and it it was a great way to connect and give back and take a distraction and see how everybody's doing out there and hear some great stories and so it's been a blast. It's kind of been a distraction. Some days I'm like, oh yeah, we do have a pandemic going on. I live in an area of Wyoming. We don't have a lot of population and all our students left Laramie or they're online. And so weirdly enough, where our numbers have gone down, hmm. like our state, the rest of the state, crazy, crazy numbers. Yeah. Wyoming is starting to go down because we don't, we have a bunch of, uh, so all the students are out of town and the rest of us left here are academics and scientists and stuff. So yeah, everybody's masked up. It's not a problem. It's easy. And we, our first numbers from like May from March and then till the students got here were very, very low, but students, super spreaders, they suck. Not, yeah. you know, I work around them all the time and everything. And it, I have an office I can shut my door. So it was handy. And I work in it and so I do a lot of my fixing of rooms when nobody's in there. So there's days where I wouldn't see anybody on camp. I wouldn't see a physical person at all. So it was not, it was not bad for me, but it was my situation. It didn't work out. It doesn't work out for everybody else going on. So yeah, there'd be days I forgot about. We had a huge snowstorm in June that just destroyed trees. My whole yard was all jacked up, forgot about pandemic for a couple of days. Then it was crazy. Uh, but so, yeah, I just, it's distraction and stuff. And yeah, I can't wait to get back to concerts. I know you can't wait to get back to playing and we will. And soon, and hopefully it's sooner in 2021. And then we can get all this done. But I have one final question for you. And I asked this of everyone since the show's called All My Friends with Justin Vonskrude. How did we meet? I, 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 Kind of remember you from high school, but it was through the ski team. I remember skiing with you and connecting with you on the ski team for sure. So, yep, I remember, yep, doing, yes. Uh, I know we'd skied at least in Laramie, and I know we'd been to probably quite a few races before throughout the state and spending time outside and inside the race. Yeah, I remember you were way into football. I definitely remember you're a 49ers fan even back then. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remember you, you raced your freshman year, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah. And as you told your story, ladies and gentlemen, he was a badass skier, like kicked ass top, like as a freshman was like someone that I, I expected to finish in the top first place, wherever top five, I expected it. You're that good and everything. I had forgotten about your wreck at your sophomore year. Uh, that sucked. And yeah, there, I mean, it was crazy because to see you guys um, that worked on skiing beyond that went to all these 
camps and stuff and you didn't, but you've been skiing since you were four and the aggressiveness, I was just doing it for fun. And then to do it as an extra sport to watch, you know, someone just be awesome at skiing was great. And then they'd come more would come along that I just watch again. Like John Hattishell was an amazing skier to watch. Um, there, and Elliot Kiefer came along later, which was amazing skier as well. And it, it, everyone would just be shocked. And luckily I had a guy named Cody Hansen, which was a senior when I was a sophomore and he was a football player too, but he paved the way for skiers to be on that ski team for football players to be on that ski team. Cause my football coach did not, was not happy with me being on that ski team. He was worried I was going to blow out something or hurt something. Fortunately, I did it after our season was over my senior year, but he was never happy, but Cody had kind of paved the way. And he, Cody was the only guy I knew that would do all this dry land training with a smile on his face. You, uh, do you remember him? He was a senior, I, I guess, when you were a freshman. Yeah, remember I remember Cody? skiing with Cody very much. I remember he ended up, yeah, we yeah. had a scary moment with Cody on Jackson. He cut his head really bad, clear at the top of Teton Village, and he bled everywhere. And it took, yeah. Um, it, it took a while to get down the mountain with him. I was, I really, I haven't seen blood like that. I think I've, I don't remember, but yeah, I remember Cody was awesome. He, he liked to skateboard too. I remember that about Cody too. So yeah, I remember Cody very well. I see him, uh, probably every summer for Jubilee days. I see him a lot. So if you ever make it back during the summer, Jubilee days, we do a thing at uh, Mulligan's like the Saturday of Jubilee days where we gather Laramie High School. If it's not your reunion, come hang out for a couple hours. It's usually people went to high school in the 90s, so we kind of know each other. It's been fun. It ranges from this my seniors all the way down to probably freshmen when you're a senior. So it's fun to catch up. I have to ask them about the head injury. Because I remember one time at Jackson, we last race of the day, we made it. And from the tram, we skied from the top to bottom. I'm sure you were with us. I don't think we stopped and it was our best girls and our best guys. And my legs hurt so, so bad at the end of that run. They're vibrating like, and I was in solid shape, but, and we're flying off cliffs and jumps and powder. And it was, it was an amazing, I was like, that was the best run of my life. It had to be the best run of my life to be ski with those people and be able to hang first and foremost. But to do that, that drop and to be able to do stuff. And I mean, we pushed each other. You guys made me a, so much a better skier. We guys made me so aggressive that later in life, when I try to ski with like family and stuff, I'd be at the bottom of the hill and not know how I made it there, but I was really fast at it. And so <laughs> awesome. I've, I haven't skied in probably 15 years. Um, it just, it didn't work out in, or in New York. I didn't want to ski out there with shitty snow. Um, even probably longer than 15. And then I date girls that don't ski. And I'm, I was like, I'm not going to spend a weekend away from them all the time. Some of them were in other towns. So I'd go be there. So I haven't skied in forever. Equipment has changed. And I know if I'm like, if I go back and strap them on, I'm going to wreck. It's going to be a terrible wreck. So I'm okay. I'm skiing. I'm okay. So yeah, we definitely met through skiing for sure. Um, definitely the ski team. Um, Definitely traveled up and down the roads. I'm sure we've chaired. Like, it was you, Hattishell, Brian. Like, 
definitely made a lot of memories. Larry Ewing. Oh yeah, Larry for sure. Yeah. Definitely ski buddies on the road. And uh that you guys were much better than me. I just kind of maybe was the muscle of the group. I remember when Larry uh, Larry Webster jumped off the Larry Webster jumped off the chairlift in Casper one time and Brian had the video camera and it went dead right before he jumped off the chairlift. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> so yeah. Oh that would have been God. a great one to get on the video. So yeah. Crazy. Yes. Crazy cliff jumpers, man. Yeah, those are some some days of skiing. Well, I'm gonna wrap it up and I'm gonna uh thank you for giving me the, your time and being on my show. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. It was it was awesome. Yeah, chatting with you. I had a great time. Someday I will get a consistent theme song or just uh, theme music for this show. Maybe with the GoFundMe, I'll be able to pay somebody to do that. But Reed, if you got some time on your hands and you want to make a heavy metal riff for this show that I can use, I will talk you up and your band every time I play it. Just an idea. Now, I forgot to talk about Reed's mom, Kay. She's a great lady. I worked with her at the University of Wyoming, and I believe she helped my little sister when she was younger. Shout out to Kay. Now, if you like these podcasts, please follow on Podbeam. You can, you can follow right there on the page or subscribe to the iTunes station. Please leave a comment at the All My Friends Facebook page. There's a new Facebook page for the All My Friends podcast. You can also tag me on Instagram, Elruderino, or on Twitter, Jammin underscore DJ underscore Rude, or you can donate to the show uh, via my GoFundMe page, and the link is on my Podbeam page and my Facebook page. Let's get these stories, these life stories, these great life stories out into the world. On to the next podcast.